I want you to realize that the stuff that we keep in our lives affects how we live our lives. Think about what's in your life. Is it holding you back? That's Elizabeth Dulemba. And this is the Depression Detox Show. Welcome back to the Depression Detox Show, where we share ideas and stories to help you live a happier life. I am your host, Malik Josephs. Happy Friday. Thank you for joining me as we close out our week with yet another new featured speaker. And I just love bringing new speakers on the show. And she is an award-winning children's author and illustrator. And she is closing out our week to discuss three reasons why our stuff stops us and to also share what she had to do with her stuff in order to live the life of her dreams. Here's Elizabeth Dulemba. Enjoy. It all comes down to stuff versus experience. Are you a stuff person or are you an experience person? Now, there is nothing wrong with being a stuff person. I have no problem with that. I like visiting other people's stuff. But I think there's nothing more sad than being an experience-based person stuck in a stuff-based lifestyle. And the weird thing is, science has even proven stuff does not make us happy. Dr. Thomas Gilovich of Cornell University has been studying happiness for over 20 years. And he said it really comes down to this. We can surround ourselves with stuff, and we can even identify ourselves with the stuff that we keep around us and think it's part of us, but it will always be separate from us. It is not truly a part of us, whereas our experiences are a part of us. We become the sum total of our experiences. So if this is true, if stuff cannot make us happy, why do we keep it? Well, lots of reasons, but today I'm going to talk to you about three. The first one is that stuff makes us feel safe. Now, this goes back to the lizard brain, caveman days. It used to be that if you were the leader of your clan, you had to go out with a big spear and kill a woolly mammoth to bring back meat and furs and keep your clan safe for the winter. And the the cave that had the most stuff had the best chance of survival. But we don't live that way anymore. Nowadays, if you want a steak, you can pop in your car, go down to the corner market and buy a steak. No spears involved. And yet that lizard brain part of us still reigns. The second reason I want to suggest is that stuff gives us the illusion of permanence. We like to think that if we have all this stuff around us, it's not going anywhere, right? So we're not either. But we know this is an illusion. We know this isn't true. Things can happen, floods, fires, war. You can lose all of that stuff in the blink of an eye. Question is, is it going to be up to you or to somebody else? The third reason was, is one that is so pervasive, I'm not sure you're even aware of it. The fir- third reason that we keep stuff is because the marketing machine tells us we should. They tell us that we should buy, 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 
buy, and not just what we need. They, the whole point is for them to make sure that you're happy with a purchase when you make it, and we all know that glow. But shortly after that, they want you to be unhappy with your purchase. About a week, few months, they show you something better, something newer, something shinier. Now you want that instead. The reason they do it is because if you stay happy with your purchase, you're not going to buy anything new. And if you don't buy anything new, you're not going to be giving, making any money for anybody. And they have convinced us that our value to society is wrapped up in how much money we can pour back into it. I think we're worth more than that. They give us choices, so many choices, and they convince us that these choices represent freedom, when really it's just a ploy to make us buy more stuff. But ask yourself, do you really care about what they want you to care about? Henry David Thoreau said, the price of anything is the amount of life we exchange for it. How much of your life have you exchanged for trying to figure out what they want you to care about instead of what you actually care about? So have I convinced you? Have I sold you on this idea? <laughs> How do you get rid of stuff? If this is the lifestyle for you, if you want to, and again, I'm not a minimalist. You don't have to get rid of everything. Maybe you just streamline a little bit. The first step is to become a conscious keeper. This means to become aware of everything that you have in your life, everything that surrounds you. Make sure nothing is sticking around that isn't serving some purpose. You know, if there's something that has bad karma, maybe it came from an old boyfriend, or there's something buried deep in your closet so deeply you don't even know you have it, get rid of it. These are the things to clean out. So when you do get rid of it, how do you get rid of it? Well, there's plenty of ways. You can sell it online, you can sell it at a second-hand shop, You can uh, have a yard sale, or what we did, which was an estate sale, which is basically a big fancy name for a yard sale. It means you're selling everything instead of just what will fit in your yard. But my very favorite way to get rid of it is to donate. Now, I told you about this recession. Our local library had one year during this recession where their budget for buying new books was big old goose egg. Zero dollars. My husband and I are both writers and readers, and we had an enormous collection of books. So we piled up our car from bottom to top no less than three times and drove all of these books to our library. They were thrilled. There were so many books, they ended up disseminating them to the, our local libraries as well, all the libraries in our area. So instead of those books sitting in our shelves, where only we could enjoy them and only one at a time, they were out in the public where lots of people could enjoy them. What a warm, fuzzy feeling that is. I love it, and I recommend it. I hope you do it, too. And I can see it in your eyes. You're saying, okay, I can do this, I can do this, but I got to put some stuff in storage, right? I see it. You know this. I did it, too. I had a pile. We, we created this pile. It was going to be, this stuff goes to storage. Okay, that's fine. But every time I walked by that pile, I started realizing that this was going to cost me. Sure, financially, all this stuff was going to go into a dark closet where nobody could use it, and we didn't know our five-year plan or 10-year plan. We had no idea when we would be back for it or how. So it was going to cost a lot of money. And then there was the emotional cost. It was going to sit there like this anchor embedded in my old life, you know, tying me to this old way of living. It doesn't feel very good. And then there was the experiential cost. 
started looking at it going, is that table going to cost me a weekend in Amsterdam? Is that lamp going to cost me a dinner with my husband? And eventually that entire pile went back into the house for the estate sale, where it could fund our new adventure. So it finally came time. We were out of there. We're pulling out of the driveway in a car that has a big for sale sign on it. And I'm looking in the rearview mirror, waiting for that gut check moment. You know, the moment where you're like, oh my God, what have I done? What if I was wrong? And I can tell you honestly, all I felt was relief. The weight had slid off of my back. I felt liberated. So this was what our life looked like for the next few months. First, we went to Holland's University in Roanoke, Virginia, where I teach in the master's um, children's book writing and illustrating program. And we lived in faculty housing for about six weeks. This is basically using other people's stuff, putting a little bit of our stuff in, or basically renting, which is really all of us are doing in this life if you really think about it. And that went fine. And then it was time to go to Europe. But there was this one hiccup. Faculty housing ended on August 2nd, and we couldn't enter Scotland on my student visa until August 17th. We had several weeks in there with no place to go. We were homeless. I've never been homeless in my life. I panicked until my very smart husband said to me, well, what about your host family? And sure enough, I was an exchange student in France when I was in college, and I had stayed very close with my family. And I called them up and I explained the situation, and lo and behold, they had a little flat in Blois, France, overlooking the Loire River that nobody was using. So guess where we went? Even when we got to Scotland, we were looking for a flat place to stay. We got here right in the middle of fringe. Bad time to go apartment hunting. <laughs> At any rate, we ended up staying in a short-term let right on the Royal Mile. Wouldn't want to live there full-time, but it was great for a week. All of these things happened as a direct result of we had become so mobile. We had so little stuff, we could turn on a dime. We could say, what do you think about that? Let's do it. So let's look at my list now. I'm happy to say I have checked off almost everything. I am a now a Master's of Fine Arts student in illustration at the University of Edinburgh. I teach at Holland's University in the summers, as I mentioned. I'm published. I have two dozen books, including my first novel, A Bird on Water Street, which has been doing quite well. I volunteer like crazy in the States, and I'm looking forward to doing it again here. And the big ticket item, I now live overseas in one of the most beautiful cities in the world, Edinburgh, Scotland. Now, you might notice there's one little item that's missing on that list, speaking another language fluently. I think you know me well enough now to know that I'm working on it. So if there's anything that you take away from my talk, I hope it's this. I want you to realize that the stuff that we keep in our lives affects how we live our lives. Think about what's in your life. Is it holding you back? Is your stuff stopping you? And if it is, I hope I've inspired you to do something about it. Thanks so much. Big Thanks to Dr. Elizabeth Dulemba for stopping by. You can connect with her by visiting her website, dulemba.com. Check out her work on Instagram at Dulemba Draws. 
And her award-winning children's book is entitled A Bird on Water Street. And I have all the links to everything I just mentioned, along with a link to the entire talk in the show description. And lastly, when you get a chance, please follow the show, share it, or leave a rating and review on either Apple Podcasts or Spotify Podcasts. I greatly, greatly appreciate you for it. And that's a wrap for me. I appreciate you. I hope you have a great day. I hope you have an amazing weekend and I'll see you back here Monday. So until then, stay strong. Later. Later.